In the first part of this episode, we explored the idea that Sabutio, despite being produced in a very wealthy part of the country by and owned by a man who could only be described as middle class, was firmly rooted in the working classes of the 1960s and 70s. And our contributors on that episode shared their experiences of growing up working class and playing the game with their friends. In the second part, we will explore the idea that Sabutio is in danger of being gentrified, much in the same way that football was in the 1990s, and that the modern game might just be pricing out a new generation of working class kids who might want to play competitively. All that and more, coming up in this episode of Finger Flicking Good. Keep listening. The tragedy of Hillsborough in 1989 and the Taylor report that followed changed professional football forever. The Thatcher government seemed determined to crack down on the scourge of hooliganism that they felt was to blame, despite overwhelming evidence pointing to the contrary of police incompetence. And this ushered in the 1990s and the gentrification of football, which has remained with us to this day. Football had been taken from the working classes and handed over to a much wealthier, upwardly mobile, lower middle class audience, with writers like Nick Hornby being at the forefront of this rather unwelcome revolution. I asked our contributors if they felt that there was a danger that Sibutio might be facing the same process of gentrification, as prices for products on eBay shot up. Stephen Huddle, like me, thinks that this is a real danger facing the modern game. But I absolutely agree. I think you can't control what price somebody is willing to pay. And, you know, there's a lot of rare Sabuto out there that people will pay for. Um, it's now, you know, the collectors and the people playing are of a certain age and demographic. You know, the reason why I'm able to, you know, buy some teams from the area that, the area that I love is because I've got a bit of disposable income. Um, you're never going to stop that. And, you know, it's something that um, Stuart Sputio Collector says all the time. You know, it's um, we've all probably contributed to this. You know, this podcast, the blog, the videos. We're making the game more popular, which drives the price up. Um, I do think there's growing snobbery in the game, uh, in the in the collector's market. Um, you know, it's a it's a tiny minority, but I think there's a snobbery over, you know, repainted teams or you know cheaper teams or know less popular accessories that sort of thing one of the things i really like to get back to is that sputio can be expensive it can be cheap it can be whatever you make it there are teams you can still get for 10 pounds there are teams you can get for five pound if you if you if you shop carefully and i think a while ago i shared a picture of um one of my favorite sputio teams it's a, a mid-90s blackburn lightweight um you know, already half your listeners will have turned off. One, because they don't like lightweights. Two, because Blackburn is probably one of the most common teams because they were such a good team in the mid-90s. Um, but if you if you actually get that box and you open it up and you have a look, the detail on the players, it's absolutely fantastic. It's got the half kit, quite an unusual kit. It's got the red trim um, around the collar. It, it's, it's a really beautiful team. And you've got this really lovely bright green Sabutio box, which is what we all love. It's got this amazing little team in it. Um Great to play with. I know some people don't like playing with lightweights either. Um, and, you know, you can get it for, what, £7 on eBay and you can enjoy it just as much as, you know, uh, 
I've just I've just bought a, a Monaco team for far too much money, um, which is great and sits in the collection with the rest. It's not any better than that Blackburn team. Um, it's actually less detailed. It's rarer, but I think you can get the same joy out of cheaper Cerezo as you can over the really expensive stuff. And the look what I've got. I've got this one-off thing. Um, and it's the same with playing as well. You know, our latest video, we talked about the different bases and things you can get. And um, I thought Watty was brilliant on it, saying that, you know, you can spend an absolute fortune on the extreme work stuff, which is really great equipment. Or you can buy entry level and just enjoy the game as it is. And I'd like to see, maybe it's not a case of saying I'd like to see less of something and less people, that, that sort of snobbery. I'd like to see more of a celebration of the more affordable Cerutio. It's as good. It's as fun. It's still the same Cerutio that we all know and love. It's just easier to get your hands on. And I think that's important to remember that, that, that you know, there's some absolutely beautiful stuff that you can get at a really low price. Paul Pearson is another of our contributors that thinks the game is being gentrified, but he thinks that it's largely down to the pandemic and it might soon pass. Um, I think there's, you could certainly say um, or, or lean towards that it could be, yeah. Um, I think the the prices on, on, on sites like eBay, um, to me, that is more of a demand thing. Um, and I think lockdown has played a huge part in that um, because, you know, people are, are rediscovering it and, and getting their old sets out the loft and things like that. Um, and, you know, it, they're going on to eBay and, and, and more people are bidding on things and, and that is, is essentially going to drive the price up. Um, but with regards to the tournament side of things, um, I certainly think that you'd need to be in a position financially to be able to do that. Um, because, you know, I, I've had a look at how much these, these new bases cost and, you know, 40 odd quid, 50 quid upwards. It's, it's crazy to me. Um, but, you know, I suppose it's, it's each to their own. If it's, I suppose it's like any serious hobby, isn't it? You know, if you were, if you were into cycling and you wanted to compete at it, then you've, got to pay the money for an expensive bike you know so it's you know if you if you put it in in relative terms or you know if you're going to play football how much does a decent set of football boots cost you know you're looking sort of for an adult pair you're looking up to 100 pounds for a, a medium level pair these days so i think it's relative it, it's all relative i mean you know it could stay as a a hobby for the working class to a degree but when you start getting into all of these tournaments and things and yes you know it's like anything it, it is going to cost you a lot of money joe mcconnell who's on twitter as at the beauty of alive is someone who has recently returned to the game and he for one hopes that gentrification passes it by oh i've never thought of it that way i hope not I have to say, um, I joined very late. I, I joined in November um, with the collecting again. But having spoken to people like Stuart and other people within the community, they said how over the period of lockdown, prices had trebled um, or quadrupled and just gone absolutely crazy. I would like to think that as we ease out of lockdown, 
I'm not saying people will walk away from Subutio because I don't want that to happen. I want the community to build. I want it to get bigger and I, I want it to carry on the way it is. But I hope I hope the prices come down because I'm, I'm being priced out of so many different things, having wanted to start again um, that I just can't afford teams, cups, whatever. So I hope, I hope Subutio never goes completely elite and is taken away from... I guess us regular common players are, are your fans, and let's hope that the big corporates don't come along and take it away from us, if if, if that's how I can word it. Um, I'd like it kept within within the realms of, you know, yeah, we can all afford to play, so let's just keep it that way and let's, let's not sell it out kind of thing. I hope not, anyway. Paul Darks, himself an avid collector, feels that collecting Subutio is now out of the reach of today's working class kids. It's ridiculous. It's I'll tell you how ridiculous it, it is. I've stopped buying stuff. You know, I, I, I still do buy if the price is right. But God, if, you, if you're starting up now, it's so. This is why this is why we have to encourage, like the you know the the painters and the people that sell. You know, as I say, I'm a purist and I can't help it. Uh, but we need cheaper options if you know what i mean and and that's why we need to support those it, it, it it'd be terrible to start collecting i cringe when i when i hear people say, i'm going to get back into subutio which i love because i want it to grow but oh god it's going to come at a price for them it's ridiculous honestly some of the i've seen one of them little buzzes the other day that i've got a few of them buzzes i paid three to five quid max I paid 30 for the one, but that was because during lockdown, so I hadn't got it. But one went for £113. You know, it, madness. Madness. So if you're collecting today, you're in trouble. You better have. Echoing Paul's thoughts is Stuart Grant, who also thinks that both playing and collecting would now be out of reach for working class kids like him. I can't believe the cost of basics. It was only when we did the last Netflix show and what's he said, how much a, a group of extreme works bases cost. It cost £60 for a set of bases. That's unbelievable. I would, ne I would never myself look at putting that amount of money if I wanted to play professional. I mean, obviously I don't, I collect. But even now, I look at the prices of some things and I think, I can't afford to buy that team. Even teams from five years ago that would cost 10 20 pounds some of them are going for like 50 60 70 quid and even for me i look at them and think i can't justify that i've got two kids a wife a mortgage to pay and it really it's not cheap if you if you was from and i'll probably choose my words wisely and i'll probably say it wrong but if you was from i don't know the lower end of the pay scale and you didn't get paid much or you or you wasn't able to work at the moment you was only on universal credit or whatever because of what's going on in the world yeah it'd be really hard for you to get into the subutio you knew yes you could buy a subutio set for 30 quid on amazon but you wouldn't be able to go any further with it and buy the fences and the teams because the price of them has just gone bonkers i mean i used to have a rule two or three years ago my rule was i won't pay any more than 10 pound for a lightweight team. If I want to get a lightweight team now, I've got to pay at least £15 for an average side. I mean, some of them, it's, it's bonkers. It really, you're right. The gentrification of Subutio is a thing, and I've never thought about it like that, but it's definitely happened unintentionally, I suppose.
unintentionally, but I suppose COVID's done that with the lockdown and people want to get back into their nostalgia. And that's great, really. The more people to get into it is great. But it, we, we call ourselves this own pro- our own amazing problem by more people come in, which means more people are bidding on stuff, which means the price goes up. So we get the ump, but then we like that more people are coming into the game. And it, it's a great problem for us to have. It really is. And it may be that the price goes up at the moment and then a few, three years down the line, bubbles burst. You never know. The price might come crashing back down again. Who knows? But there is, yeah, there is definitely a way that Sabutio, I suppose, has come, like you say, from the working classes, has come up to something where you need a little bit of money behind you and into the middle classes where people have now got outhouses with Sabutio in or man caves with Sabutio in. Yeah, it's definitely had that effect, I think. You're right there. I really like that way of thinking. I asked Callum Westwood if he thought the collecting side of the game had already been gentrified beyond the reach of the modern working class kid. And could it stop them getting into the game? Um, oh, that's a good question. I think probably, unfortunately. Um, the other, The other issue that I think there is more of now is a lot more people will try to use Superio as like a money making um they've seen the value in it so we, I mean, we had this conversation on the Superio show all the time and it's like if one team goes for a certain amount of money then what tends to happen is that people will see that and think oh that's what that's what it's worth then that's what everything is worth and they'll just put the prices they'll set them at that level and it will price a lot of people out of being able to get it. Um, in terms of the original, like, original, like the, the heyday stuff, the heavyweight stuff, you can still get the odd, I would say, bargain. Um, but it's whether, whether these sort of the new generation of players even know that it exists, um, that sort of type of Sabutio. I reckon a lot of... We were talking about this yesterday with, with Watsi and their club tends to use Zuegos. Um, there's a way you go flat bases as like the introductory figure for people. So they would never have, you know, if you're coming into it now, you may never have seen a heavyweight or a lightweight or an original heavyweight. So it might not matter that you can't access that original stuff because there's so much brand new stuff available that essentially you don't need it. I don't think to get into it. It's just whether you, have that initial desire to go and find it, I guess, like go and find a club or even hear about it or how you would hear about it. I've got absolutely no idea because I only know about all these things because I'm already interested. So I think that's probably the biggest obstacle for any kid getting into it is that they just don't know it exists. David Hunter, who's on Twitter as Dave the Save Hunter, accepts that the cost of collecting can put off working class kids but he feels that out there, there are still bargains to be had. I think it could do, definitely. Um, I say I'm not working at the moment. I do have a bit of spare cash to you know, dabble with my hobbies, if you want. But for me, I've been able to buy mainly the mid-90s Hasbro teams because nobody seems to like those, so they go cheap. But anything from like late 70s through the 80s, like the uh, lightweight bases, yeah, I, I think it certainly does price out anybody like myself who wants to get back into it. But like you said, doesn't really want to do the modern stuff, wants to go back to 
you know, the stuff that he you know, used to play with as a kid. Um, I got an original AstroTurf, which I always wanted as a kid anyway, but it was a second-hand used one. I paid £20 for that, but I have seen them going for like £60, £70. Pounds. And for a lot of people, you know, that, that's almost like a week's shopping. It, you, you know, it's hard to justify those prices. Uh, I think we've, even with the modern stuff, the, I think it's Longshore owns, I think some of that's a bit pricey as well for like working class people, if you will, if you want. So, yeah, I, I think it could put people off if they don't want to use this, is it Swago, you know, that type of base and newer stuff. But, you know, I think no, it's a shame no. as well. Stephen Harrell finds it strange that Sabutio should have had such a hold on the working-class psyche for as long as it did. He thinks much of this is to do with a nostalgia for a time that is now sadly lost. Sabutio is a bit of a cult thing, isn't it? It's it's a it's it's a cult game, and a, and a, and I think the things that sort of resonate with people when something's you know, a bit cult like that is the sort of you know the half man half biscuit song where you know they go to their friend's house and. The dodgy transformer meant that they couldn't play scale electric and the sputio's there and it ends up getting tipped away by the parent because they were arguing over penalties and you know that this sort of perception of sputio as that sort of working class game has probably helped the sort of aura all, all around it and it's probably one of the reasons why it's stayed popular to an extent today it's those sort of you know that nostalgia of those days that are, that are long gone that those sort of um you know, working class estates where people go to each other's houses and play the games and, and that sort of thing. I wonder if that's part of the reason why Spuzio sort of retains that special place in a lot of people's hearts. So what about getting into playing the game competitively today? Is it possible for working class youngsters to get into Spuzio at the highest level? Or is the cost of purchasing equipment simply too prohibitive? Is it even real Spuzio that they would be playing? Here's Paul Dax with his views on the modern game and whether the cost of equipment will ever allow working class kids to play it. Well, the first thing, in my opinion, and I know this will probably get some hatred, who'd want to buy them anyway? Do you know what I mean? They're terrible. They're not so beautiful. You know, the lagging for this as well, but. Sabutio today and the competitions today, there's nothing used. Sabutio, they don't use the ball, they don't use the men, they don't use the goals, they don't use the pitches. It's not, it's not Sabutio, it's table football. And and I get it, but 60 quid for a set of bases. Jesus. Man, I'll never I'll put it this way, that, that'll be one thing I'll never have in my collection. The two Pauls seem to agree on this. Here's Paul Pearson, who thinks the cost might put off working class kids like him from accessing the game at a competitive level. Yeah, I think, you know, like like you say, it's 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 a financial thing, isn't it? And and if people are going to charge a large amount of money for 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 taking part in something, then it is going to put off the working classes, because you know, certainly in this day and age, people don't have excess money like you know to be able to go out and spend 60 quid on a set of extreme workspaces you know it's madness i mean you know if you want to join a club then that's great funnily enough i was talking to jason christophers myself recently about it 
and um, he's encouraged me to join the uh, the club that he's in. Um, so I'm I'm, I'm going to do that, and you know, just for a bit of fun. And that to me is something affordable. But you know, if if it was a case of let's you know let's go into tournaments and things like that, that's not me because I I haven't got that sort of finances behind me and I think that is probably like you say because I'm I feel that I'm working class and certain things are more important than than excesses. Stephen Huddle thinks that it's not just a cost of accessing the modern game that might prevent working class kids getting into it. He thinks the hobby needs a much wider, more creative approach to attract newer, younger members. Again I think we can get I think we can get carried away with you know the the table football side of things, the the FISTF, which is the you know the the International Sports Association. Um, I'm a big fan of them. I think they're doing really good work after a, a few years where not a lot happened. But do we have to rely on that to get kids into the game? I mean, for example, using you know Stuart's on um, Subito Collector is on TikTok at the moment. And he's talking to loads of kids about all his teams and getting a huge reach on that. You've got Table Football Monthly as get, gets, and I'm probably understating these figures, you know, several thousand viewers every single time they upload a video. There's Facebook groups with 2,000 people on. We get 30,000 people each month on the website. If we decided to put on a really fun Sabutio event, a Sabutio tournament, using old-style rules, turn up with whatever team you want, we'll show you the ropes, we'll have a bit of fun. Um you know, it'd probably be better attended and better loved than some of the more professional tournaments. So, yes, I do think it, you know, it costs a lot of money to get to that professional level. But I also think the community could potentially put on a lot of starter events that will get people interested, get people playing, get tournaments set up. Um, we don't need to send people straight to that really high level of competition. And I think that's where the community as a whole needs to go next. There are many within the playing community that disagree with the idea that the cost can be prohibitive. Lawrence Watson agrees that when he was a kid, expensive sets of bases would have been out of his reach. But despite this, he believes there are cheaper options available. No, you're definitely right. Like if you, if I walked in and my man says, nah, there's an extreme works team down there in Leisure World, it's 60 quid. Um, can I have the money for it? She'd have said, yeah, how long they'll go and get your dad? And my dad would have come in and she'd have made me repeat myself. And then he'd have just stood laughing at me. Um, you know, we were, uh, we grew up on bikes, riding bikes. And then even then, like if, if you were to ask for a brand new bike for Christmas, it was like, you know, you'll get your brothers from last year, you know, that sort of way, or you'll get your brothers from two years ago. Um, no, but definitely we wouldn't have got, we would have been, Lucky if you got a, 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 a lightweight team for £3 if you come in and ask for it, that it wasn't your birthday or it wasn't Christmas or it wasn't, you know, a special occasion. Um, Definitely, the game's definitely improved. Now, I don't know what they, um, the likes of all the World Cup guys that were going to the World Cup in 1990. Obviously, they were just using lightweight teams. You know, there was no... There was no fancy bases or nothing. I don't know what the Italians would have been using in 1990, um, but I'm assuming it was all lightweight. So I think it's just this new market, this new trend. This you have to have the best of bases. Um, 
and I actually spoke about it on Netflix the other night. I have one set of Extreme Works bases that um, Martin O'Gave gave to me because he didn't want to use them. Martin would spend a lot of money in bases, 50 to £60, pound, no problem, the drop of a hat. I can't justify spending that amount of money on a set of bases because to me, I'm not the top-end player. I'm not relying on the base. I'm just relying on my own skill. But to use a set of Extreme Works bases is amazing. And then I said, like, I can't just, I still can't justify paying sixty pound to have, because you like to have two sets of bases exactly the same. So if you have to switch up your colors, if you're you have a clash of kits with somebody, you're still using the same base when you switch teams. So I have two sets of sure shot teams that I use. So for me to buy another set of Extreme Works, I ain't paying sixty quid. I can't, I can't justify it to myself. To me, I, I would rather spend sixty quid on a pair of shoes or a pair of jeans or something, you know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. Something that I would value more. Uh, now, if I was a top-end player and 60 quid was the basis, I wouldn't mind. If it was, if I had a reason and a purpose, especially with no, nobody playing at the minute. So, no, definitely still got that working-class element in me where I can't justify 60 pounds. Simon Stewart, who has also played for years and to this day still plays in Germany, like Lawrence, clearly believes that playing the modern game doesn't have to cost the earth. level, But there are cheaper versions available. I mean, for example, I use very cheap bases, though I am considering going more upmarket and maybe spending 60, 70, 80, 90 euro on a set of professional bases. But the bases I use are 10 pounds. So you having said that, I'm not competing at the top end. You know, my, my, my aim in any big tournament here anyway, or in, in one of the bigger countries, Germany or England, is, is to get out of the group. If I'm if I'm playing in a festive tournament, my aim is just to get out of the group. Uh maybe my lack of professional bases, you know, hinders me a little, maybe. I have a friend who says that they do and he's always on at me to to upgrade. But I find it difficult to, to justify, to be honest, spending 90 euro on a set of Subudio bases. I mean, obviously you need the goalkeeper. You, you can buy a goalkeeper for 10, 15 pounds. But I think there are cheaper versions available. And I think, you know, if for, for people or, or younger people who maybe don't have the money to spend that, you know, those 80, 90 euro, you know, sums on a set of bases, they can go cheap. And if... You know, if they find that they're pretty good and they're able to compete with those, then maybe they can think about saving up over a time. But I mean, I, I certainly operate in the bargain bargain basement level of Subudio. I'm not. I probably use. I think I'm, I'm maybe the only person I know who's used Raptor bases at festive tournaments. Uh, but that's me as well. It might be. It might be the Stuart in me that begrudges me for spending money. <laughs> At the end of the day, it's what you want from playing the game at a competitive level. If you want to beat the best, then even having the best equipment may not help you. Simon, therefore, has a clear philosophy on what you should do. Uh, I, I mean, I think to compete at that sort of level, you need two sets of bases and one good goalkeeper. In terms of the thing that you think you mentioned, the fist of measuring tool, 
I didn't have one until recently, and I, I only bought one a couple of months ago, a St. Pauli-themed one. I, I had mine done in that thing. But I only bought one because I sort of had the lockdown fever and wanted wanted to buy some Savudio stuff. So I bought myself a measuring tool at long last. But I'm not one for spending unnecessarily on things you don't need generally. So I think for someone coming into the game, I think you could get, you know, you could use the Raptor bases. There's £25 and a goalkeeper, £15 on top. And maybe a, I think a ball is, what, £5 or something like that. So what does all that add, add up to? Maybe 40, 40 euro, 50 euro with, with pack, postage and packaging on top, which... Again, it depends at different stages of my life. Fifty pounds would have seemed like quite a lot at one stage. Now, maybe not quite so much. But I mean, it's still, it's 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 still an investment. Uh, but again, if you look other people's hobbies, you know, some people spend that in a night in the pub. Uh, and this is something that Sabudio is something, and the equipment is something that you'll take out again and again. It gives you opportunities to to travel to play at different tournaments, to meet different people. So I don't think it's a bad investment. But going back to those sort of more expensive brands, Astro Base or Profi Base or whatever, I'm not really I'm not really too fay with all the different high level brands. Again, something that annoys my friends, uh, that I, I don't really know what I'm talking about. But when you need two teams there, you're 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 then looking at getting up for two hundred euro, two hundred pounds. And that is a lot, I think. That is a lot to compete at that sort of level. But uh, I think start small. And if it's something that you like and something you enjoy and you feel that your game would be improved, then you know maybe slowly save up and, and get to that level. But you don't need the top, top stuff to compete, I don't think. Maybe to win, but I'm, I'm never going to win a festive tournament. So, uh, And the only competition I've ever won has been with Raptors and the, the finals that I've reached in Ireland. And I've reached the final, or, or the only competition I've actually won in Ireland was with Raptors. So, uh, and the other players were using, you know, Astro Base and Profi Base and all the other ones. So, uh, yeah, I, I think it can be prohibitive, but you know, there are cheaper, cheaper versions available. So, you know, start there and see where it takes you. David Hunter agrees with Simon that the expensive bases are an investment. Here he is explaining what he would do if he wanted to buy some of the more costly modern bases. Um, if I was to make, I don't know, I think if I was starting and um, worth I think for me, I would say, well, yeah, I want those, they're £60. I'll tell you what, I'm going to save up. I I'd, I'd personally would save up over a period of time to get those bases, to get that team. But for a one-off, if I had to pay straight out, I think, yeah, I'd be put off by the £60 price tag, definitely. But it is what it is. It's it's a profession. You know, they're the professional ones. It's I, I'm I'm a Sunday League goalkeeper. So if I want, you know, top-of-the-range clubs, I'm looking at £60, £70. Pounds. It's the same sort of principle. So if I, if I want... I don't know, but if I want the gloves that David De Gea wears, it's 60 70 quid. But so, but yeah, I think that's it. I think I'd, I would be if I want this to be competitive and you know do what you know a lot of the guys do and play professionally. Is it is it fits to his stiff playing those type of tournaments? And yeah, I would invest definitely. 
Growing up in Scotland, golf, like most kids, was my second sport. I played with working class kids at working class cubs. But moving to England opened my eyes to the class aspects of the game, which I'd always heard about but never experienced. It was common to turn up to competitions and be asked what clubs you used, and when you told people what they were, you could often see from their reaction what kind of player they think you were going to be. Lawrence Watson is someone who hopes to never see this side of sport come into Sabutio. Those are the people that put you off golf, you know what I mean? And I- and if Sabutio became like that, I would, it would really annoy me if people were looking at your box and saying, oh, you're only using sure shots or you're only using uh, CLR dynamics. Why don't you have it? You know, why don't you have this or why don't you have the best of stuff? If Sabutio became like that and there was people in the game like that, it would become it would become annoying. You know, for me, it would become annoying. Um, and you've, you've all the top players that you go to a competition and they lift your team and it's they're they're more interested in your painting or your decals or you know what team you have on the base and they don't care what bases you're using because a lot of people if you give someone a 15 pound set of bases from LPM which are COR Dynamics or IBS and you give it to one of the top end players and they say they want it, what oh what base are you using you're, and you made up a name Spiders all oh, that's MU Spiders they probably believe you, and if you told them they were ninety quid, and they t- set them down, started flicking them, they go, oh, "You need to get me a set." You know, that's that's how that's how much the game is like. It's 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 so hard to tell what is a good base and what you know, unless you play with them and you know what you're playing with. Um, but for me, I think the lower end bases are just as good. It's more about the polishing, and it's more about the person that's using them. If you give I must if you give Daniel Sheen a fifteen pound base, he would still beat you seven 0 with his cha four bases. If you you know the same scoreline, if he was using his own cha four bases, if you give him a cheap set, it's the skill of the player. You know what I mean? I agree wholeheartedly with Lawrence. If that level of snobbery ever came into the game, then I would probably find Sabutio much less appealing. So let's hope that the gentrification process only goes so far. At the end of the day, though, it's what you want from your hobby that will drive what you spend on it. Sometimes, after years of denying yourself the good things in life, there might come a moment when you feel the need to spend a little something on yourself. Here's Paul Pearson again. agree with that, certainly. Um, I mean, I've linking towards that, I've... I've uh got a new customer um in the the last couple of weeks that you know he's he's lived his life he's retired um he's done well for himself uh when he was a child he didn't have a lot and now he's in a position to relive his childhood so you know he's he's now wanting to to get all of the teams that he didn't have as a child and you know my opinion on that why shouldn't you you know if you've if you've got a a bit of money that you've you've worked for all your life and you want to enjoy your retirement and you whatever way you choose to do it then then that's fair enough martin of bradley is another one for whom there is not a limit when it comes to treating himself to subutio equipment yes totally to me there's no 
there's no budget. <laughs> now there's no budget for it. Not that I don't buy a lot of stuff, you know. I bought a new pitch there, and I would have paid any. Well, I would have paid whatever he was asking for it. It's an extreme works pitch, you know. And I, like the the pitch I had, I still have the original pitch that I had, the Italian IP pitch. It, it's in a ball, scrambled in a ball. But now, I mean, when we get back into it, it was. It, you know, it didn't matter how much the team cost. I spent fifty pound on a set of bases, just bases, and I would do it again with a heartbreak. Bought a brand new pitch, was eighty pounds, spent a fortune building a table for it. You know, I don't have an awful lot of money, but you know, I don't you know, I wouldn't buy a new team every month and I paint my own teams, you know. But if I buy a brush, I wouldn't care about, you know. When I was wee, there would have been Nah, you might have wanted things, but never had them now. I mean, you can see boys now building big stadiums and that, and I can understand that because maybe when they were wee, that's what they really wanted, and then they forgot about it and they come back to it. And maybe people weren't as lucky as us; they have other people to play with or a load of people to play with, you know. So I suppose if it was just you and your friend playing, and then you, you put it away, forget about it, and you come back and you rediscover something, and you get a big nostalgic blast and. Then you start looking and you discover that you, you know, and me find all this. It's everywhere. So it was everywhere. You can have whatever you want now. It's like when you were wee, you, you know, you couldn't, you wouldn't. Maybe nobody, if you were very lucky, and I, I don't know who you would have been or where you would have came from, that you would have had like an astro pitch and grandstands and, you know, we had a scoreboard, came with a set. And we saw, I remember buying a wee subs bench. That was the only add-ons look even the the fencing round the side i remember having a you know that being a discussion with me daddy about getting it so i'll leave it to you to decide whether or not you think sabutio is a working class game that's in danger of gentrification or not there's certainly plenty to think about if you want to attract a younger and more socially diverse audience that's for sure next time in the final episode of this series, I'll be looking at the healing powers of the game and the support being offered by the wider Subutio community, particularly when it comes to mental health. So if you don't want to miss the show, then subscribe to Finger Flicking Good on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pocket Cast, Anchor, or wherever you get your podcasts. Finger Flicking Good is a real-time production. It's written and presented by me, Daddy Kia, with contributions from Martin Bradley, Paul Darts, Stuart Grant, David Hunter, Stephen Murrell, Joe McConnell, Paul Pearson, Simon Stewart, Lawrence Watson and Callum Westwood. The theme music is Drive. It's written and produced specially for the programme by Campbell Kia of the Contributor. Check them out on Apple Music, Amazon Music and Spotify. Thank you.